Happy Time Change Sunday. Thank you for being here. You really had to want to be here, and I'm glad that you're here. It's so much more fun when people are here. <clears throat> you know, when you're not here, it's kind of like playing an NBA basketball game with no fans, right? Yeah, so I don't know if you watch the news. Maybe you don't. That makes sense if it doesn't. <clears throat> so we're glad that you're here to celebrate. I know it's at high risk <laughs> to be here together, uh, but because you lost an hour, right? We hate that part. I love the longer days because that means more yard work, and that's exciting. Um, but just to let you know, we do have coffee, free coffee. Uh, we actually have gallon jugs this Sunday so you can take to your seat with you to keep you awake. We also have free hand sanitizer. Uh, you don't want to get those mixed up, but still, it's uh, a service we offer to you to keep us here. Um, this is a, we're continuing this series through First John called Broken Before Breakthrough. And what I challenged you the first of this series was to pick one meal a week and fast, fast that meal and spend that time in prayer rather than eating, spend time praying and praying these two prayers. Father, is there anything in my life that is offensive to you that we can acknowledge that, confess, repent of that and, and make sure that's not a part of our life? Second prayer is, Father, is there anything in my church that is offensive to you that we as a corporate body of believers can stop doing uh, so that we can continue to live in the power of, of God and making the difference that he's called us to make? So I've asked you to, to have those two prayers going on. And I've heard some interesting responses, uh, what the Lord has said to you about your life and, and about our life as a church. And again, that's just an idea. We want to be broken before the Father, just to, to be reminded of who we serve, of why we are here, why we are a church. And that's been another uh, request that I've been making of the Father, a breakthrough that I hope that our church experiences. And that's a freedom of expression and worship, that we would realize that we stand before a holy God in his house, to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ to praise and honor him. And that is why we are here. You know, there's a lot of argument today about churches become entertaining, and that is not our goal or focus at all. We want to help people connect to the Father. And so we do that with the arts. We do that with creativity in all different ways because this is why we were here. And I hope we don't ever forget that. I hope you're not here uh, to be entertained because you're going to be sadly disappointed, all right? And the second thing is that our response time that we have at the end of each service in our traditional, in our Spanish, in our modern services, we offer an opportunity for people to respond to whatever the Lord has said to you during that, that service. So we have people up front every service. We have kneeling benches here. Uh, we have chairs available. We have a prayer wall. Some people want to come and pray. Some people want to talk to someone. Some people want to give their life to Christ. Some people want to deal with an issue going on in their life. Uh, last week, if you were here, we invited people to come who said, I'm I'm hurting right now. I have an issue. I, I need prayer. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to surround me and pray for me. And it was a great response time of people coming down and praying over folks, which I hope that continues. I hope the front at the end of our service is just really flooded with people praying and admitting, hey, I'm broken and I need support and I need encouragement. We just see the movement of God as we open our lives up to one another and we respond in love to one another. So that's been a, a prayer of mine. And, and I'm also asking God to to cause a breakthrough in us in our concern for those who are far from God, that we truly would be broken over the massive amount of people that live in our community, that work with us, that go to school with us, that live on our streets, sometimes that live in our house, that are far from God. They've never claimed Jesus Christ as the leader and forgiver of their life, maybe by choice, or maybe they just never heard of who he is, and that we would be so overburdened by that 
that we would be willing to share our faith story with someone, that we would know how to share and lead someone to Christ. Our job is just to plant that seed, just to give that message. God is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws. But we get to be a part of that process and just sharing our faith story. So I'm hoping that we see a breakthrough in our, that we're really broken over those that we encounter that are far from God. And so that kind of leads into our message this morning. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 5. We'll be going through the book. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at the first five verses initially uh, as John talks to us about this whole issue of salvation, of belief, of true belief in who Jesus is. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So again, he's just kind of reiterating the argument that he's making throughout this letter of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God, fully, fully divine and fully human. And so we understand that this whole idea of belief leads to obedience, and obedience equals love. Jesus said that. If you love me, then keep my commandments. It's easy to give lip service to loving God. In fact, when we're in church, we're probably all going to say, I love God, right? It's just, it's the right thing to say, but there's got to be evidence to back it up. We know the right thing to say, but it may not be the reality that we're living. So John addresses this, first of all, by correct doctrine, right belief leads to salvation. And this was the battle John was fighting. One of the reasons he wrote this letter is because there was a lot of misbelief a lot of unbelief about Jesus and who he was. And so there were false teachers that were attacking his church. There were false teachers and false doctrine rampant in that society and in the world, just like today. And so he's addressing those issues because it's important that we have a right understanding about Jesus. In fact, the first part of this letter, he talks about those who left his church. He writes of those who were a part of the church, leadership. I mean, they were involved in the church. But then they left. Now, these guys didn't leave to join another church. There really wasn't another church to join. But they left over doctrine, mainly over the doctrine of Jesus. When John is writing this letter, you've probably heard the word Gnosticism, the belief Gnosticism. Well, Gnosticism wasn't formalized at this point, but the beginning thoughts were there. And so Gnosticism had a belief in a, in a higher superior knowledge that led to salvation, but one of their doctrines was that flesh is evil, but the spirit is good. So with that kind of mindset, it didn't matter what you did with your body. It didn't matter if you were sleeping around. It didn't matter if you were getting plastered. It didn't matter if you were doing drugs. It didn't matter if you were lying or cheating. Whatever you did with the body didn't matter because the body's evil. It really has no choice, but the spirit is good. So their belief was it didn't matter what you did on the outside. Nothing could impact the inside. Your spirit was good regardless. Well, you can see how that might be problematic 
when you're trying to teach a church about obedience and discipline to the Lord, and there's this idea, well, it doesn't matter what I do as long as my spirit is good. And so he's addressing that issue, and he uses Jesus, for one thing, as an example, being fully God and fully human, connected, one Jesus, fully divine, fully, fully human. Now, that's a mystery of our faith. It's hard to, to fully explain, it, it, but we believe and trust, and this is the truth. There's plenty of evidence to show that this is true. And he's using that to show that that's who we are. Our spirit and our body are connected. What we do impacts our spirit. We're made body, mind, and spirit. We are one. And then he gives this example. If you love the father, you will love his children. And this has been his argument all along. If you say you love God, one of the major evidence in being obedient to God is love for one another in the church. You can say you love God all day long, but if you're not demonstrating love for one another, then there's a problem. And, that, and he says this, if you love a father, you're going to love his kids. That's a great illustration for what he's trying to say. We understand that. If you say that you love me, you're going to love my children. You're going to love my wife, not just in word, but also in action. In fact, here's a picture of my three kids. Right? That's Molly in the back seat, Morgan with the sunglasses on, and Ryan. Most of you guys don't know my children. We moved here without them, but they found us, but we still love them, right? <laughs> so here are my three kids. Now, Morgan in the sunglasses, she lives in Oregon. Molly in the back, she just moved back from Nashville. So when both my girls moved off to distant lands, much to our chagrin and against our own will, one of the first things I did was I, was, I contacted people I knew in Oregon. I contacted people I knew in Nashville. I said, hey, one of my kids is moving to your area. What I would like to do is be able to call on you when they are in need because I can't be there for them, but I want them to have your number and you get their number. So if there's anything they need, would you be willing to reach out to my kids if there's an issue that I can't address? Of course, every one of them said yes because they love me. Some of them don't even know my kids. But they love me, so they said yes, right? That just makes sense. You would expect the same. If you love me, you're going to love my kids. If you don't love my kids, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> we're going to have a problem. You're going to love my wife. You're going to demonstrate love to my wife. In fact, when you do that, when you show Robin that you love her, you're actually showing me that you love me. When you show my kids that you love them, you're actually showing that you love me, right? When, when I ask about your kids, when I care about your kids, when I, I, whatever support of your kids, then, all right, that's demonstrating love to you. It just, that's a no-brainer. So what John is saying is if you really love God, then asking you to show love and concern for one another should not be a big deal. <laughs> it is a no-brainer. And this is the evidence that we have been transformed, that we have been changed. We love God and we love each other by being obedient to God's commands. I don't know if you've ever connected the two. This is John's, what John is saying. By keeping God's command, and one of those commands is to love one another. By being obedient to God, we're actually showing love to one another. Because the Bible says we are to love each other. It also reminds us that we can do this. We can keep God's commands because the Spirit of God lives within us. Now, 
there's a misunderstanding when you start talking about the commands of the Bible or the commands of Jesus or the Ten Commandments. Like, man, there just seems to be a lot of rules, right? There's a lot of do's and don'ts with following God. Not at all. That's a, a misunderstanding of the, the commands that God gives us because he gives them out of love. It's not to restrict us or limit us. It's actually to set us free. There was a study done years ago of they had two different groups of children, like elementary school children. And so they took the first group out into this field that none of the kids have ever seen before. They've never been to this location. And they told the children, hey, you can run as far as you can see. As far as you can see, that's open to you. There are no boundaries here. You go, you can hike, you can run, you can try, you can explore everything you want to do. Now go. And what they noticed, these kids, with all that freedom in front of them, stayed together. <laughs> they didn't, there were no boundaries, there were no limits. But because of that, there was fear of what was really out there, so they stayed together. The second group they brought out to the same location, they'd never seen it before, and they put up boundaries. They put up cones, huge area, but they kind of roped it off. And they said, all right, guys, you can play in here. This whole place is yours. Just don't go beyond the boundaries. And what they saw with that second group, those kids, they went to the, to the rope, they went to the cones, they played to the edges of that field without fear. And so they learned through that experiment is that we need boundaries to actually be free. That's what John is saying. God has given us, as a loving father, boundaries. He didn't say, go out and play on the highway, it'll be perfectly safe, right? He didn't put us in a dangerous situation. He said, these are boundaries. I do it because I'm a father and I love my children and I want you to actually live without fears, we talked about last week. And because if you are obedient to my commands, if you respect my boundaries, then you can spread your wings and fly. And you know that you have nothing to fear. This is what John is saying to us. So he says his commands are not burdensome. We can actually keep his commands because of the Spirit of God living within us. Not our power. We couldn't do that. We couldn't be obedient to the Father in our own strength, but you actually have the Spirit of God living in you to challenge, convict, correct, direct us to be obedient to what the Father has said so that we can live lives that are free, right? People talk about that. Religion is so restrictive. The church, God just wants to limit my life and take all the fun. No, he actually wants you to experience fun to the biggest level, to the highest level, understanding that you are safe in his presence and through his boundaries. And his commands are not burdensome because they're given out of love. And because of that, we get to love what God loves we get to experience God's love personally, and then we get to live the life that he has carved out for us, which is better than any life we could carve out for ourselves. This is the joy. So again, it's not about us. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit living within us that we have been transformed. If you are a Christian today, you have been transformed. You have been changed. Again, we talked about that a few weeks ago. If you accepted Christ, but there was no change in your life, you really didn't accept Christ. The Holy Spirit is not really in you because there's going to be a change. Something's going to change. Things are going to change. And so this is how we know. And then he, he talks about this being an overcomer. God's power living in us, it breaks the grip that the world once had on us. It breaks the grip that sin once had on us. 
It breaks the grip of darkness that we once lived in. And now we get to live in joy and peace and love and light. And he says that we are overcomers. And this is an idea of, of battle. It's a, it's a continuous victory. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you realize or not, we celebrated the 40th anniversary of the miracle on ice. I remember watching this. The U.S. hockey team in the 1980 Olympics beat Russia against all odds. I mean, Russia was the, the king, right? They always won. And the U.S. depicted to get slaughtered beat the Russian team. Here's a little clip from that experience. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to self. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. That was a huge win for us, right? And, and so we still celebrate that. In fact, if you saw any of that, any clips, they were interviewing some of the players. What was significant is they played a lot more hockey after that event. And they lost some hockey matches. But they are forever known as the miracle on ice. They forever celebrate that victory. And this is what John's saying. You have victory in Christ. And you're going to face up and down in battles, and you're going to do it well, and you're going to not do it well, but you are known as a victor, not a victim, because of Christ. So I would ask you today, in what area of your life do you feel like you're losing? In what area of your life today, as a Christ follower, do you feel defeated? Because most likely, if we are honest, there is an area of life today that we feel victimized, defeated, or like a loser. And what John is saying is, yeah, you're going to face those feelings, but those feelings are not reality. The reality is you are victorious in Christ, victorious over sin and death. Somebody stopped by the connection point this morning and said, you realize this week, First of all, we have time change. We have the coronavirus. Uh, stock market is struggling. And Friday is Friday the 13th. Please stop by to encourage me. <laughs> right? It's like, wow, this, is, this has the all, all potential to be a really rough week. Right? But in all of that, I am victorious. I am not a victim. Listen, you are not a victim. Don't live like you are, but I feel like one, but I think I am. You're wrong. <laughs> You're not. Not to say we don't struggle, not to say this isn't hard, not to say life isn't difficult, not to say people don't disappoint us, not to say we're not under attack, but we in Christ are victorious. We just need to frame our mind around that. 
And then we're able to live this life that John has been talking about. And one of the ways, listen guys, one of the ways that we are reminded and we experience being victorious is through our other brothers and sisters in Christ that when we are weak, we can call on one another. When we are struggling, we can cry out to one another. When we are hurting, we can lean on one another. And by that, we are reminded we are loved and we are victorious. We need each other. And we need each other to be obedient to God and love one another the way Jesus loves us. This is John's point. This is what will change the world. This is what changed your life, was it not? Was it not the love of the Father that drew you to him? Because someone who loved you and loved the Father told you about his love? Most of us, that's our testimony. Then he goes on. Verse 6, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. So now John kind of... Interesting here, he talks about the witness of the three. Again, he is giving a Christology. He is giving proof and evidence of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God. And he said, look, you've heard human testimony. You've heard me talk about it. Let me tell you about three other witnesses to the truth of who Jesus is. The water, the blood, and the Spirit. The water, Jesus' baptism. If you remember the baptism experience, there were John the Baptist When he baptized Jesus, the heaven opened up. The voice of God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, ascended on Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, was being baptized. We see the Trinity there all together. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, all testifying to the truth through the water of baptism. The blood is his crucifixion. Clouds, the sky grew black. The earth quaked. People came out of the tombs. There were miracles happening at the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus cries out to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There we see the evidence of God that this Jesus on the cross, as the centurion said, surely this is the Son of God. The evidence is there, these three witnesses. Now, in in Jewish law, if you've ever read Jewish law, which most of you have, It says that there are, it's required for two witnesses to confirm a testimony. If two people confirm a testimony or a statement, then it's valid. Well, John takes that and he takes it to a new level. He, he gives a third. It is the spirit. Because others were trying to downplay the cross. And so John is saying the incarnation, which is Christmas, right? God in the flesh, God coming to, hev- to earth from heaven. That's the incarnation, Jesus, fully God, fully man. But that's not enough. There had to be the sacrificial death of the son. There had to be the ultimate sacrifice. So the incarnation, Jesus coming to the earth, and he made it very clear, I have come to die, was not completed until his death, then ultimately his resurrection. And so John is giving evidence to this. Look at verse 10. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar 
because they've not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and the life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And this word have means to possess. Right? Unless you possess the son of God, unless the son of God, spirit of God lives within you, you are not born again. You are not saved. So the water testifies that Jesus' baptism and what happened. The crucifixion testifies that Jesus is the Son of God and what happened. And now he says, God the Father through his spirit testifies that this is my son. You saw a picture of my son, our son Ryan earlier. You don't know Ryan. Many, some of you do, but most of you may not know Ryan. But if you want to know about Ryan, ask his father. I can tell you. I don't know everything about him, but I know a lot because I've known him since he was born, right? Come on, guys. So I can tell you a lot about my son. Well, well, the father knows the son completely, and he tells, he testifies. He said, look, you guys will believe human testimonies. What about the baptism? What about the cross? What about the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God within us testifies to the truth of the Son of God. This is why we talk about telling the truth. This is why we talk about telling our faith story. This is why we talk about reaching those who are far from God, sharing them about the love of Christ, telling them the testimony, testifying to who Jesus is. Because this salvation is available to all, not just the readers of John. It's available to us. It's available to all. So when we speak the truth about Jesus, it is the Spirit of God within us speaking. Some of us are nervous. I'm afraid. What if I say the wrong thing? It doesn't matter. Just say what you know about Jesus. Trust the Spirit to take over. You can't save anyone. But you can plant that seed. You can tell them the truth, and the Holy Spirit will take over. The Bible is clear. It is the Holy Spirit that draws people to the Father. We do that by our example, by our words. But you don't have to be afraid of sharing your faith story because the Holy Spirit takes over. I can tell you time and time again when I've had those opportunities and God just thoughts come in my head that I know are of the Spirit. Words come out of my mouth that I know they're of the Spirit because it's the Spirit living within me, speaking to the Spirit in that person, the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not my power or strength. It's the power of God because God desires to save people. Come on. And we have that opportunity. So if we accept human testimony, sure, we, surely we can accept divine testimony all the more. And he says the person who rejects Jesus as the Son of God rejects the Father. In fact, he says you call the Father a liar. Lifeway did a survey back in 2016 about heresies, false beliefs that American evangelicals have. Okay? American evangelicals have some misunderstanding about Jesus. The survey discovered that back in 2016 again, 71% of people who proclaim to be evangel Christians, 71% believe Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. And that's a belief of many false religions, that Jesus is a creation, that God created him and then put his spirit on him. That denies directly what John is saying, that Jesus is God. He's not just a good man that God put his favor on. He is God. He is God in the flesh. 
54% people believe that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being. So it's kind of like Star Wars, right? The force is with us. Well, the Bible makes it very clear. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three individuals, right? Again, mystery of our faith. 39% believe that good deeds can earn you a spot in heaven. In other words, we can earn salvation. We can do enough good things to get into heaven. 37%, these are self-proclaimed Christians. 37% believe that God will always reward faithfulness with material blessings or prosperity doctrine. So you can see that these are problematic beliefs because they have not believed the truth. So John is saying to us that it is Christology, his Christology, our, our doctrine of Jesus that is at the center of our soteriology, our, our doctrine of salvation, our understanding of salvation. You can't have salvation without Christ. He is the only one. There is no other way to heaven, guys. Everybody wants to believe all religions lead to heaven, all roads lead to God. They don't. There's only one. And it's very narrow, according to Scripture. So Jesus is the Son of God, which was evidenced at his baptism. God the Father, the voice. God the Holy Spirit, the dove. Jesus, the Son of God, the person. It was evident at his crucifixion. Clouds, the sky goes black, earth quakes, tombs open, dead arise. Jesus is proclaimed. He's evidenced by the witness of John. John was at the foot of the cross. John was there when Jesus died. He saw the sky grow black. He saw the earthquake. He saw the tombs open. He saw dead people walking through the streets. He heard the centurion. And then he saw the resurrected Jesus three days later. He saw the empty tomb. So he not, he, this is not secondhand information. This is an eyewitness that we might believe. Now, our witness is because we've been transformed, because we've been changed. So the question is, do you embrace the truth about Jesus Christ? Or are you going to reject it? Because today you've been presented with it, the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, your choice is do you accept it or do you reject it? No longer can you say you didn't hear about it. No longer can you say, I didn't know. Now you know. Now it's your choice. What are you going to do? If you do accept this truth, the promise is eternal life. It starts now. In abundancy now, in the presence of God in your life now, but then eternity in heaven with him. If you do not accept this truth, if you reject this to be true, if you accept any other philosophy or idea about God and who Jesus is, then you will not receive eternal life. It sounds that simple. It's that straightforward. It's that real. So the challenge I have, first of all, that you would accept these testimonies, that you accept what John writes about Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he did die for your sins, and that he did rise from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death. And maybe that's all you know. And maybe you have a lot more questions. But that's enough to get started. Because it is about a relationship. And if you just enter into that relationship, that's a beginning point, not an ending. That's when your faith journey begins. That's when you start to have your questions answered. That's when you begin to grow and understand more. 
But right now, all you need to know is that you need this Jesus that John writes about. And he is inviting you to give him your life. And if you don't know how to do that, or maybe you do still have questions, in a minute we're going to sing together, and that's your opportunity to come up to the front and talk to some of our folks up here and say, I, I, I have a lot of questions about this message today. I don't believe this is real. I mean, whatever, bring it. Or meet me in the connection point. These guys will be here after the service as well for you. Or just, I need prayer. I'm struggling with this reality. Or I don't know if I'm a believer or not. And it just, I need to get this settled today. We can help. And if you are a Christ follower and you know this, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to commit to share your faith story with someone who is far from God between now and Easter. Just one person. Ask God to give you a name. Just, I just want to share this truth about Jesus with one person between now and Easter. Because again, I'm praying that God would give us a burden for those who are far from God, who are living in dark. Maybe they flat out rejected this truth. But maybe something the Holy Spirit says through us will trigger a positive response. So there's opportunities for you to respond today to whatever's on your heart, whatever is your reality. Again, people are going to be here to help. I'll be in the connection point. Don't leave today with doubts. Don't leave trying to figure this out on your own. Let us help. Let's pray. Jesus, we know your truth. There's so much misinformation about you. So many misunderstandings. So much unbelief. So many people don't believe in who you really are. They see you as a great person a nice person who said and did a lot of great things, but they've not seen you as the, the true son of God. And I pray if there's anybody live streaming, if there's anybody here today that is hearing this presentation of the truth of Jesus Christ, that today would be the day they just accept it. Again, maybe they still have questions, they still struggle, still have doubts, but give them the courage just to reach out. And to deal with it, not to ignore it. Because I believe that you've confronted us today through your Holy Spirit. And for those of us who do believe in you, the church, the children of God, again, Father, I ask you for a breakthrough that you would, you would break us over those who don't know you. Because no doubt we know someone. We may be married to that person. We may be raising that person. We may be a child of that person. That we know today, if they were to die, they would spend eternity away from you, away from us, in a terrible place you call hell. Father, we don't want to be a comfortable country club church. We want to be a church that cares about people to the point that we are willing to share the truth of who Jesus is, of how he has changed us, 
how a life with Jesus is a life worth living. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing and you respond.